One of the points of my book uh, is that no matter what you think you know about the world, it is changing. The world right. is always changing. It, no matter what the world thinks today is reality, in 15 years, as soon as 15 years, it's going to change completely. Mm -hmm. think, back to any, think back to 1900, and what people thought and what happened in 1915 or 19... 15, and what people thought by 1930. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's astonishing how wrong we always are, how the world changes, and it changes rapidly, uh, much less in the, in the time period implied in that, in that sonnet. Uh, you know, and no matter how powerful and strong we think we are, whether we being America or no matter you pick the country, I assure you, I assure you, it's all going to change. You go back, I don't know if you've ever been to Venice, but Venice at one time was one of the richest and most uh, powerful countries in, in the world, not just in Europe, but in the world. Uh, and you go there and you see on the wall the list of the presidents. None of us have ever heard of them. Right. Uh, back you know, when Napoleon marched into Venice and, and destroyed the country or, or took over the country, there no, have been no president since. But none of us, nobody and even in Venice can name any of the old presidents of Venice. So no matter who we are, what we are, where we are, don't worry. Right. You don't have a chance. You see how rich they once were, mm -hmm. whether it's Belfast or Prague or whatever. You see how rich they once were. You go to other places and you see unbelievably rich they were and they're destroyed. There's right. nothing left. You go to, uh, um, what was the place, uh, Hannibal? Uh, Carthage. Right. You go to Carthage. I mean, Carthage at one time was the terror of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Carthage is just flat. There's nothing there except uh, stones and ruins. So it, it doesn't really matter who you are. Rome, I mean, Rome went from a population of, of millions to a population of a few, of a few thousand right. uh, by the time it, it got into its uh, major decline. So it really doesn't matter. It, whoever it is, Someday we're all going to go to New York and we're going to look around if the buildings are still there and say, my God, these guys must have had a huge amount of money right. once upon a time. Many of the buildings will have fallen down or be abandoned or bombed if, if war comes. But no, it's, it doesn't matter who you are. It's going to end. J Jim, in terms of, because it's going to end, in terms of succession, you know, what's in terms of the, the pipeline of what could be next. Like you mentioned Rome, it was actually the barbarians that preceded the Roman Empire, which eventually led to the Dark Ages. Does the... Well, the Romans actually ruined themselves because... Yes, you know, through they, their own they, policies. They spent money, they debased the currency, they right. went huge debt, staggering number of regulations, all the things which have, been, which have happened throughout history. And then what really brought them down was they stopped paying attention to the soldiers. Mm -hmm. They didn't have enough money. Well, yeah. the soldiers didn't like that, so the soldiers started, you know, going around getting their own pensions. Uh, but yes, it did go into decline. Sorry, so, so and then what, the barbarians, you, of course, yeah. marched in because there was nobody to defend it. Yeah, because it was the, the policies of the state that, that eventually led to the decline of the Roman Empire, leaving them relatively vulnerable to the barbarians. In, in, in a modern-day context, say if we are concerned about everything that's happening in, in the current um, empire, like the United States, what do we see surpassing that? I know you talk a lot about Asia in some sense, but... Well, as I look at the world in the 21st century, China 
in my assessment, will be the, the next great country in the world, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't like it, but uh, I don't see anybody else that can uh, compete with or replace the U.S. The 19th century was certainly the century of the U.K. The 20th century was the century of the U.S. Well, the 21st century is going to be the century of China, uh, not just of Asia, but of China. China right. Asia will boom and benefit, but China will be the, the next great country. D does that concern you a little bit, though, Jim, in terms of a potential predecessor such as China as a kind of like a centrally planned economy? I know you've criticized um, too much intervention, artificial stimulus. I certainly do. Like uh, China, China calls themselves communists, Peter, but let me tell you, they're among the best capitalists in the world. I know people tell you they're the best capitalists in the world right now. A planned economy, yes, I guess to some extent, but look, California is more communist than China is. Mm -hmm. Massachusetts is more planned. America's more centrally directed than China is at the moment. Uh, people think that China is this vast, and it is to some extent, don't get right. me wrong, that the, the government, the central government has a lot of power, but the provincial governments have a lot of power too, and the, the, the capitalist have a lot of power. I, uh, I don't worry that China's too centrally planned. It's going the other way. It's becoming less and less uh, centrally planned, whereas America and some of the Western countries are becoming more and more centrally planned and directed. What do you think about um, aspects of like the foundation of law, such as rule of law, which has made Western societies much... There is no question that the rule of law is extremely important if you're going to have a a sound, stable, uh, growing economy. It's been proved many times in history. Unfortunately, as we know, the rule of law in America is becoming less and less. You know, now even the Constitution, now they can break down your door if they want to. They can go into your bank account. They yeah. can go into your bedroom. They can do anything they want. A lot of those freedoms and guarantees we once had no longer, no longer exist, unfortunately. Uh, that is again, going the other way in China. Now, please don't, I'm not uh, defending anything that China has done in the past few decades, but when I first went to China over 30 years ago, there was one radio, one newspaper, one TV, one everything, one way to dress. Right. You know, everybody thought it the same way, and if you didn't agree, you probably got shot or went to jail. But now there are thousands of demonstrations every year, tens of thousands of demonstrations every year in China from people demanding their rights and demanding that you know the government not do some of the crazy things that dictatorial governments have done in the past. It, it's changing. I, I, again, I don't defend, I certainly don't defend Mao Zedong. You know, Mao Zedong ruined China. Uh, but China is going the other way, and I presume it will continue. Right. Commodity trading in China has grown dramatically, uh, but it, and it's blocked. I mean, you and I cannot go to China and right. start buying soybeans or gold or whatever we want. It's very difficult. I mean, it could be. It could happen, but it's very, very rare and very difficult for non-Chinese to trade in the Chinese commodity markets. And yet, Dalian, the commodities exchange in Dalian, trades more soybean contracts in Chicago. Right. And Chicago invented it. As, and as you so aptly point out, you know, the volume in these markets in China is staggering. 
and they're still close to the outside world. You cannot imagine how big they're going to be once uh, outsiders, or the, once they become real international markets. They're, they're, going to, they're going to take the business away from Chicago, Chicago, London, New York, which you mentioned will no longer be the dominant markets in the world mm -hmm. because China will put them out of business or certainly take away most of their business. That is definitely going to happen. Uh, by the way, before the Second World War, the largest financial market between New York and London was Shanghai, uh, and it will be again eventually. As far as whether you can have, uh, and then at, to your point about Chinese stocks, yes, Chinese stocks have started going up again for a variety of reasons, one of which is that China, as China becomes more and more open, they realize I mean, you've got to have financial markets if you're right. going to be a major economic player in the world. I mean, you can't have closed markets and closed everything and still be a big player in the world mm -hmm. scene, and they know that, and they are opening. They're not opening as fast as I would. I would have done it all last year or yesterday or tomorrow. Uh, for whatever reasons, they're doing it very, very slow, slowly, too slowly, in my view, but it is happening more and more. And that's one reason the stock market is going up. They are trying to give people incentives to invest in the stock market again. Their stock market peaked in 2007. This is eight years ago. Uh, and it went down 60 or 70, actually went down 70%. And it's now coming back up for a variety of reasons. Can you have stocks and commodities go up at the same time? It's rare in history that that happens. Normally, you have commodities going up in their own bull market and, in, or, and stocks not so well, and vice versa. Uh, it can happen, of course, anything can happen in the financial markets. You can have a bull market in stocks and commodities. One reason you have bull markets in stocks when commodities are down is because the cost of goods, the cost of input mm -hmm. is down when commodities are in bear markets, and so companies can be more profitable. And vice versa, when commodities are in bull markets, it's more difficult for companies to be profitable, and that's why they usually do not go together. China, given the fact that it is an expanding and growing and new economy, could be different. Uh, will it be different? I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic about some commodities, less optimistic ab about others at the moment. But longer term, I'm still optimistic about commodities. Well, it's wonderful. Yeah, we'd all like to buy as low as possible, and China is the second largest economy in the world. But they're not. the markets have more money than China. The markets have more money than everybody. Right. And you might, one might be able to manipulate prices for a day, a week, a month. But in the end, the markets are bigger than central banks, governments, and everybody else. And uh, You've made a lot of comments on Russia, for yeah, example, the policy. I would be buying Russia right now. If I weren't talking to you, uh, <laughs> if it's open, I guess it's not open. Not, not yet, not yet, not open yet. too early. Uh, yes, I'm optimistic about Russia. Uh, if, by the way, if you want to buy oil or energy, a way to buy would be to buy Russia because the currency was de demolished and the markets were demolished by the collapse of the price of oil. So it would be a good, if not, well, a very good way to invest if you think the price of oil is going up. Uh, I, I could, uh, Russia has huge natural resources, has big financial resources. It is not a debtor nation like the U.S. Mm -hmm. and some of the other nations we all know and love. 
uh, no, I would rather be buying Russia than selling. And as I say, if I weren't talking to you right now, I'd be buying at least one thing I want to go buy. Intervening uh, artificially usually does not do anything except give investors or speculators a target. If you know, if somebody, if a central bank says we're going to keep the price at ten, mm -hmm. then everybody knows. There's no like with the Swiss recently. Right. You know, the Swiss said we're going to keep the price at one twenty. Well, everybody knew. Then there's no risk. <laughs> the, the, it's going to be at one twenty no matter what. And if it ever goes up, we could make a lot of money. Uh, so it, artificial in, uh, interference it rarely works and is never good. Uh, I was disappointed. I won't say disappointed. There's been very little intervention. Uh, I was pleased to see no intervention. There has been a little intervention, mm -hmm. but very little. And I hope they don't uh, succumb and try to intervene in the market because in the end they'll just lose a lot of money because right. the markets have more money than they do. What you should do is buy Swiss francs because it cannot work. I mean, I wrote in one of my books. Right, uh, Street Smarts. It, yeah, I wrote it in the book. It cannot work. It will not work. So at worst, you buy Swiss francs and sit and just wait. At best, you make a lot of money. You know, when you have a monopoly or a semi-monopoly, uh, corrosion occurs from within. People don't have to work as hard. They don't work as hard. Their prices will go up. And the Swiss had a monopoly on, on financial finance. Mm -hmm. But they got lazy and their performance was not very good and their prices were very high. And it's, it's losing position. I mean, Singapore, Hong Kong, many, many other financial centers are growing partly because the, the Swiss got so complacent, mm -hmm. as everybody does after long periods of dominance. Jim, what are your thoughts on um, Myanmar as of late? I, I've heard that they might... Um postpone the the initial opening of their their markets? Well, they've been postponing it for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I presume they're going to open it eventually, and when they do, I hope I'm smart enough to invest. There's setbacks along the way. Everybody, Everything has setbacks. You know, in America in the 19th century, as we were rising to be the greatest country in the world, we had a horrible civil war. We had 15 depressions with a D, very few human rights, massacres in the streets, I mean, we were a mess quite a lot, and yet we did okay. If you bought the, the collapses in the U.S., you would have come out way ahead. Uh, Myanmar was certainly, uh, look at China. Right. China started opening up in 1978. Well, there were plenty of bad things happening in China between 1978 and today. So there will be problems in Myanmar. I'm not sure what or when, but uh, I'm not worried that, the, that Myanmar is not a great place for the next few decades. Okay. And what, what do you think about North Korea as of late? I, I know you. I'm wildly bullish on North Korea. I wish I could put a lot of money into North Korea. I cannot because I'm, a, I'm an American, and b, there's just not that many things you can do. Right. Uh, there's no stock market, for instance, no futures markets. Um, they they send people out. A lot of people are out in Singapore and other places learning about capitalism, learning about property markets, learning about stock markets, but those things, those markets are still very rare and, and undeveloped right now.
In, in terms of agriculture, how would you, I know you, you've mentioned many times that um, given the choice to be a farmer in China or a stockbroker, one might actually want to be a, a farmer in China. How, yes. how would... Um, or there are other places besides China, yeah, but yes, China. yes. What do you think about Vietnam, by the way? We're, we're actually... Yeah, I'm sure Vietnam would be a great place to be a farmer going forward. Uh, any nation which has good land, good weather, uh, good soil would be a good, not any, but most places would be great for be an, a farmer or an agriculture. Right. So clearly you're not a farmer, but how, how would you a address this? Like, is there an investment opportunity besides... Well, they're huge. I'm not a farmer because I wouldn't be any good at it. So You've got to be, <laughs> no matter, you know, no matter how bullish you are on farming, you could still fail. Right. You know, there are people who failed in the investment business even with a long bull market. Mm -hmm. So just because something's in a bull market doesn't mean everybody's successful. Uh, and I would not be a successful farmer. There are many ways to invest. You can, the best is to buy land and become a farmer. Uh, or buy land and lease it out. Or get the tractor dealership in some place. Or but Jim, open a restaurant. as you know, for places like um, China and Vietnam, the, the whole um, ownership of land, it's still based on like long-term leases. Th does that... Um, well, no, that's a negative. That's a that's major a, negative. So right. go someplace else. Go to the Congo, go to Ethiopia, go to Angola. There are plenty of places where you can uh, buy land and do things. But even in China, you can have a 60-year lease. Mm -hmm. Now, a 60-year lease is not great. It's better than a two-year yeah. lease. It's better than no lease. Uh, there, there are opportunities, but the best is to buy land someplace where you can and become a farmer. Mm -hmm. Or, as I say, get the tractor dealership or the... Just open restaurants, open restaurants in the farm areas if you're good at restaurants. I wouldn't be good at restaurants either. <laughs> Whatever you're good at, open a chain of shops or hotels, anything. Because as the agricultural areas do better, those parts of the economy will do better. And that's a better place to be than places that aren't doing as well. Right, right. So, okay, so let, let's take a very introspective look. Uh, you know, there's a lot of young listeners as well. What, what kind of advice and, and significant events would you say help shape you as... Well, the only thing you can do to be successful is figure out what you love. When I was at university, I was going to go to law school and business school and medical school. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to be. Thank goodness I found the investment world, because that was my pa I didn't know it was my passion. My passion was to know about the world and, and get involved with the world. And then all of a sudden, I found this place where you could do it and make money. Mm -hmm. They'd pay you to do it. So the, 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 the key, and, and, and I didn't go to law school or medical school or business school. Uh, the thing that people need to do is figure out what they love and do it, no matter how ridiculous other people may think it is. Because mm -hmm. that's where you, first of all, you'll never go to work. You just wake up every day and start having fun right. if you're doing what you're doing. And those are the people who are the most successful because they love, they're passionate about what they do, no matter how absurd it may seem to others. And those are the people, and, and if they don't become rich, they don't care because they're right. so happy. <laughs> they're, they're the happiest people in the world. <laughs>